0: Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, um, let me introduce myself. My name is Austin Bracci. I'm the director of groups here, Um, and as I shared a little bit last week, um, I talked a little bit how my wife and I, we got married and moved 700 miles away, and um, I'll share a little bit more about that. So I want to share a little bit about more of myself. So I've been married for nine years to my wife, Suzanne. Uh, She was in the first service, and um, we have a -a two-and-a-half-year-old son, who is a great joy and at times um, much trouble. So, um, but he's so much fun. Um, so we got married both at 21. And uh, as I said last week a little bit, we moved 700 miles from all of, my, all, all of our friends and family. But what I left out was the fact that she had already made that move. So um, she, right out of college, got a, a dream job offer, something she had always wanted to do for her, her pretty much her whole life. And, but it was 700 miles away, and we were dating at the time, and we were pretty serious. And, and so I kind of looked at her and I said, "Look, I, I'm not going to do long distance." Like, so I told her it's kind of an ultimatum. Like, you, it's me or the job, right? And so she chose the job, and she took, uh, she she loaded up, and we moved her up to uh, from Central Florida to Nashville, Tennessee, and. Um, about two weeks later, after dropping her off and driving the 11-hour drive back with her two crying parents the whole time, um, I kind of called her bluff, and I got down on one knee and proposed to her. And much to my surprise and to my delight, she said yes. And so um, 50 days after that, we got married, and we both and I moved our lives up to uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, lived there for about five years, then moved again to... Raleigh, uh, air, the Raleigh-Durham area in, in uh, North Carolina, lived there for about two years and then uh, moved here and the pandemic shut, shut everything down and that's kind of when we, right before, or right after we moved here. So um, <laughs> as I shared last week though, I am very passionate as our groups director about groups and about um, why we do the, why we do groups. And so um, as we, again, as we moved 700 miles away, we didn't know a single person. We, it was just us. We lived in like an 800 square foot apartment. We had a puppy and that was it. And so um, we were out furniture shopping one day and the the guy, the guy selling us our furniture said, you should try this church. It's a great church. And so we went and that church was, was experiencing a a massive boom, which was awesome. But it was like, we were funneled in a bunch of us into a small space and we were there for an hour and then kind of funneled back out. We listened to a great sermon and listened to great worship music. And that was it. And we just could not meet anyone. And so someone else had told Suzanne through her, through her job. She said, hey, you should come to our church. And I'll let my daughter, who is your age, know that you're coming. And you should come to Sunday school and join their Sunday school class. And, and we're like, oh, well, Sunday school, first Sunday. Like, that's kind of tough. But we did it. We kind of, like, let's step out in faith. And, and that couple, as well as two other couples, were there to kind of receive us. And, man... It was like it was like a vacuum. Like we we literally kind of walked in and, and and instantly had friends. You guys ever had that situation where like you meet someone and you're like, you're my person. Like you're you're my people. You're you're gonna be my friends, right? And so we kind of got like sucked in. I was like, well, I don't even know if we like this church yet, but we like these people, and so we're gonna come here because we want to be with these people. And they're inviting us out to dinner, and they, we started a group, and then we were now studying the word together and all this stuff. And that was where. Our community, where we made friends, we were able to plug in and experience relationship. And so I called, the, I called my buddy, who was a part of that original group, this week. And I was like, man, I just want to say thank you so much for... for you know, living life like that. And like uh, over the past nine years, like how, because I I had kind of moved on, right? I got called to be on staff at a different church in the same area. So we were able to keep the friends, but we were now in different circles and stuff like that. And um, I've I seen their group grow. And I said, how many couples in the last like nine years were you able to kind of engage? And he's like, uh, probably about 15, like we listed out names. About 15 couples in, in, this, in about nine years kind of came and filtered in and out of this group. And, it's, and it's, that's awesome. And he's like, you know, actually, to kind of take it a step further, he said, I've, I've branched out and started my own group. And now I have about four or five couples that, that we meet. And, and actually, these, this couple did the same thing. And so did this couple. And so next thing we know, we're kind of counting up all of the names and we're kind of loosely like, man, there are 30 to 40 couples that have been impacted through community just because somebody said yes to joining a group, right? And so um, as Chris and I talked about what this morning would look like, he's like, you know, we don't have—we're not in a sermon series. And I was like, great, I'm going to talk about groups because I'm the director of groups, and that's what I want to do. And so um, that story, though, of the group that we were in, just through those years, we developed friendships that were— We still talk to those people. They have come and visited us, which it helps that we're so close to Mickey Mouse, right? And so they bring their kids to Mickey Mouse. They stay with us and we do the whole thing, you know. Um, But it's lifelong relationships and friendships that are happening in these groups. And that's exactly what what I as director of groups want for this church. And I actually think that's what the, the Scripture teaches. And so if you have your Bibles, Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 3. So when we're thinking about groups and, and what um, the church looks like and what, what better place to turn than to the story of the church that's being established, right? And so um, I'm going to look at this story, and it's, uh, it takes up all of chapter 3 and all of chapter 4. So we're going to be looking at 63 verses this morning, But I'm not going to read 63 verses because that would be insane. No, I am going to um, give you kind of the cliff notes. We're going to dig into um, early church uh, tradition, which was the sharing of oral stories. So I'm going to share with you story, the story, kind of the cliff notes version. And then I'm going to pull out three ways that I think each and every one of us can relate to this story, can relate to this group. So giving a little bit of context um, So Acts starts in chapter 1 with Jesus, who who has died on the cross and then resurrected, and he's with his disciples, and he's telling his disciples to stay where they are. In in, in the meantime, he is going to ascend into heaven, and then he gives them kind of another commissioning. He says, and then when the Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So he kind of commissions them with that, and then he ascends into heaven. And then in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, and uh, the disciples are doing really cool stuff. They're speaking in languages that they had never spoken in before, and and all this really cool stuff is happening. And thousands of people come to put their faith in Jesus. And that's kind of the birthing of the church. And um, then—so that's kind of where we pick up this story in Acts chapter 3— so we see two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John, and they're walking on their way to their temple, and they, and they pass this man who it says was a, la- was a lame beggar from birth. So he, um, he literally has to be carried in every single day, and he's set by the door of the temple, and he's begging for alms, which is kind of just a generous, like a way to say, uh, I need, we need money and food, and just kind of get me through the day. So they come, come across this guy, and, he, and this guy asks them for alms. And so they stop and they look in his eyes and they look at him and, and, and he says, I don't have money. The disciples were kind of broke at this point. But what I do have, I give to you. Stand up and walk and he heals him. And the guy stands up and it says he leaps with joy and his, and his legs are immediately strengthened and they walk into the temple. And now these people inside the temple who have seen this man outside for days and years and, and they know him as the lame beggar. They see him walking around inside the temple and they're like, what is going on? And so Peter's like, this is an opportunity. And so he preaches this incredible sermon, an incredible sermon where he says, it is by the faith, it is by the name of Jesus that this man was healed. Come and accept who Jesus is. And, 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 and many, many believed. But now they're preaching about Jesus being the Messiah inside a Jewish or around a Jewish temple where most of the leaders of the Jews don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Obviously, they killed him. And so um, this kind of rouses up a crowd, right? And so <clears throat> Peter and John end up actually being arrested as well as the, the lame beggar who is—he was now healed. They're, all three of them are arrested and held overnight. And the high priest end up finding themselves in a pickle. Now, do you guys, are you guys familiar with what a pickle is? Obviously, it's a, you can eat a pickle. But in baseball, there's this thing called a pickle where you get stuck—a runner gets stuck in between two bases— Right, and they're trying to get to, trying to get back to one of the bases safely, and they're, you know, they're throwing the ball back and forth, trying not to get tagged out. Well, the the Pharisees, the high priests, in this point, are kind of in a pickle. And on one side, they see this man who is who is lame from birth, who is um, who is healed, and everyone is so excited about it, and they're celebrating. But on the other hand, the men who did this healing are preaching Jesus as the Messiah. So to get somewhere safely, they either have to abandon this man who has been healed, or they have to accept Jesus as their Savior and, and as Messiah. And they weren't comfortable with that. So they decide, we're gonna pull Peter Peter and John back in. We're gonna we're gonna give we're gonna release them. Because if we if we kill them we, we we're we're stuck, right? Everyone's excited about this man. And so they release him, but instead they, they offer threats. And uh, pretty much death threats to say, stop, you have have to stop telling people about Jesus the Messiah. And then, so Peter and John are released, and they go back to the church, and we're going to talk about that last step a little bit more later on. So, whew, okay, that's basically all all 63 um, verses. I encourage you this week to open up Acts 1 through 4 and to just— Maybe read a chapter a day and, and look at the way that the Spirit moved in the, in the establishment of the church. It's a, it's a phenomenal story. But as I studied the story, I, I saw three distinct ways that I feel like every single one of us can relate to this story. And so that's how we're going to kind of break up the passage. And so, that, so my first relation— is re- relation number one. I see a great need. I see a great need. As I said, if you have your Bibles in Acts three, um, we'll just read it. Acts three, chapter or verse two. It says, "And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate to ask alms for those entering the temple." So I've already said this man is lame from birth. He's, which means he's fully dependent on those around him to get him through the day. It means he has to, he, um, I, uh, one person, uh, sorry, um, a, wow, brain blank. Um, So one commentator said this man was both broken and broke. He was both broken and broke. And he was most likely broke because he was broken. So there was nothing that he could do to to better his circumstance. He had to literally be carried in every single day and beg for just the little bit here and there. Maybe someone would give him a little bit of change or a little bit of food. And as I read this story, I came to this realization that I am that man. That we are are that man. And now I'm not so much physically right now. So I've, I have had a physical break of the, of my ankle and my bone and, and I couldn't get around. And I remember I was in a cast and someone was like, how do you, you know, scratch an itch inside of it? I was like, I literally have to pray the itch away. (laughs) Right. And there's, so I, we, some of us know what it's like to be dependent, fully dependent because we're, we're broken. Some of us know exactly what it's like to be broke, like zero money in our bank account. How are we going to feed our family, right? Um, But I believe in Scripture, the Scripture teaches that from birth, we are spiritually lame. We are spiritually broke and broken. That is the condition of our heart. Paul even goes on so far as to say is that we are dead. Look at what it says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. And you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So, so Paul says you are dead. It's, it's, it's not even that you're lame. It's not even that you're, no, it, there's no breath. There's no coming back from this. And from, so from the moment we enter in the world, we enter into this Spiritually, spiritual deadness. And so when you hear this frame that the gospel is offensive, right? this is what this means. That it is offensive to tell me, to tell someone that you were born with this condition that you can do nothing about and there is nothing that you can do to change that. It's offensive. And if we stopped right there, the story would be, and would be incredibly sad. It just would be, there would be no reason to come here on Sunday mornings. But fortunately for us, the story doesn't stop there. We, I, the next thing I see in chapter 3 is this, the gift. And this is in chapter 3, verse 6 through 8. It says, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took, he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. So we have this gift that is given. When, every time I read this passage, I think about in my last church um, in the Raleigh-Durham area. You have, Chapel, you have UNC Chapel Hill, NC State, and Duke. Right? So every August and January, you have an influx of about 150 to 200,000 college students. And during this time, the pastor would say that their, their attendance would double, would almost triple... Right? But their average weekly giving would, would go up by about $17 a month or a week. right? And so they even, he even tells a story one time about them pastoring the, passing the offering plate. And in it was a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Right? And, and on that was written, silver and gold I have not, but what I do have I give to you. Right? So college students bring a lot to a church and money is not one of them. right? But as, that's a funny story. But the truth is that... We that God has given us something greater than we can ever know to ask for. Just as this man didn't wasn't asking to be healed. He was asking for food and money. Maybe that bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit would have done him good, right? But he he was asking for help. Instead, Peter and, and John look at him in his eyes and they say, Rise in the name of Jesus, get up. And they give him, they provide healing. And so if we are that man, we, are also, we too are off, also, also offered a gift that is greater than we could ever imagine. And that is the resurrection from the spiritual deadness in which we were born into. Look at what Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 2. He says, But God, so you were dead in your trespasses and sin, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he had loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the name or in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So we are spiritually dead, born into this world spiritually dead, but but. God, but God being rich in mercy, He's a merciful God. He sees the condition of our heart. He knows that our greatest need is to is that first our salvation would be provided for us. And so he ra- so as Jesus raised from the dead, He raised us up from the dead. Why? I love how that, that ends. So that in the coming ages. He might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. He offers us life because of his grace and his kindness towards us. And so our greatest need is to receive that life. And look what happens when, when, the, when the lame man receives that life. He is leaping up and stood and he began to walk and he entered the temple walking and leaping and praising God. And that is why we come here on Sundays. That is why we offer up songs of praise because he has, he has taken what was formerly dead and he has made it alive. Why? Because of his good grace and his kindness towards us. And so unfortunately for Peter and John, it wasn't all joy. As, we sa- as I said earlier, these men preached a great sermon, and then the next relation that I see is a great trouble. A great trouble. Immediately following this miraculous healing, look at what happens in chapter 4, verse 1. As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. "'Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people "'and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. "'And they arrested them and put them in custody "'until the next day, for it was already evening. "'But many of those who had heard the word believed, "'and the number of men came to be about 5,000. "'On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes "'gathered together in Jerusalem with Ananias, the high priest, "'and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, "'and all who were of the high priestly family.'" So there's, there's a couple of reasons here why I believe that this was truly a great trouble for Peter and John. First of all, in, in, the la, in, chapter, in verse 6, it, it says these names, Annas the high priest and Caiaphas. These guys are bad dudes. These guys are mentioned in three of the four gospels. And in John chapter 18, it tells us how Annas and Caiaphas, who Caiaphas was the, the high priest at that point, were the ones that plotted to bring Jesus in to charge him for for falsely proclaiming that he was the Messiah, which we know that he was. And so that's exactly what they did. So these guys were very closely related to the, the crucifying of Jesus. And so when you put it in that perspective, Peter and John are now standing in front of the men who have persecuted Jesus and put him on the cross. And now they're asking, in what name do you bring this, do you heal this man? Well, Peter says, filled with boldness, he says that he said, in the name of Jesus, who you crucified. The corner, the, the stone that you rejected that has become the cornerstone of our faith these guys were strongly against the idea of Jesus as the Messiah and so Peter and John were in trouble. So they made threats. Look at what happened in verse 17 of chapter 4 it says, "But in but in order that it may spread no further that is the teaching of Jesus, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name." So they called them in and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So they, they ultimately end up releasing Peter and John, as I said. But, but now the early church believers have a choice. They can either stop teaching Jesus or they can for, face persecution. And as you look at the rest of Acts, you can see which one they choose. They face persecution. But as I was reading this part of the story, I, again, it connected. There's a place where I see each of us. I think we all have a choice sometimes when it comes to trouble. Not to say that if just because we're sharing our faith that our life is going to be threatened, but we experience great troubles. For some of us, it may look like an attack on our marriage. For some of us, it may look like an attack on our family or a child going wayward and drawn into the darkness. Perhaps it's the untimely diagnosis that is scary. Perhaps it's the untimely death of a loved one or the loss of a job. Perhaps there's some of us in here that have everything that we could ever ask for. We have a good home. We have a healthy marriage. We have a thriving family. We have 2.5 kids and a dog named Bluey. Yet we still struggle with crippling anxiety and depression. Yet we still question who God has created us to be. We we still struggle to see ourselves in the light of the identity that God has given us. If you're here this morning and walking in the midst of a great trouble, I want you to know that you are deeply loved. As we sang, He is our firm foundation. He is the one that carries us through. As the rain fell and as the winds blew, I knew I was okay. And we see that directly in Scripture. We see in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it says, Since we have a high, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. God put on flesh in Jesus, stepped down off the throne, and he can sympathize with our weaknesses. He lived among us. He felt the pain that we feel. But so we, have, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, but one who is in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. He was faced the same temptations we feel, never sin. Let us then with confidence, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and we may find grace. We we, We can confidently draw into the throne of grace, knowing that our greatest need is met. He has made us alive with him. Now in the face of trouble, we can know that that God stepped down to experience our troubles, to feel the brokenness, to feel the the hurt of of your friends betraying you and, and the hurt of your friends abandoning you and things not going your way. I also want to make another note. I don't believe that once we accept Jesus and the life that is offered to us, I don't believe that all of our troubles now are just going to disappear. I don't believe that we can just have more faith and things will go and, and our finances will get better and our jobs will get easier. and our, In fact, I, th- I believe the opposite. Jesus himself said that um, in this world you will take heart, but, or you will face trouble, but take heart because I have overcome this world. God can use those troubles to draw us closer to him like never before. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis in one of his final novels. Um, One of the characters is asking God, why, you know, why is this going through? Why Why am I going through this? But then they come to this realization. It says this, I now know why you utter no answer. You are the answer. Before the face, before your face, questions die away. What other answers would suffice? So if that's you this morning, if, you're, if God has not answered you or, or taken away your trouble, he is the answer. He sent Jesus to live, to die, and, and to ri- raise for us, to make us alive. And that is the reason why Peter and John are able to say in, in, in verse 20, for we cannot help but to speak of what we have seen and heard. So he says, you decide whether it's okay to listen to God or to man, but we cannot help but to speak of Jesus because Jesus is our helper. He is our great help in our trouble. So we have a great need. We have a great trouble. And then the relation number three is a great community, is a great community. After facing their greatest trouble, look at what the first thing says that they, they did was. In in Acts 4, 23, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders said to them. They went to their friends. The first thing they did as they were released, they went to their friends. And now look at what their friends do in, in verse 24. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God. And said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, and so on. And we'll talk about what they said. But they went to their friends, and then together their friends went to the Lord. I love everything about this response. I love everything about this response. Peter and John knew when difficulty arose that they needed their community. That they needed the body of believers that God had placed them in for that specific moment in time. And the body, their believers around them knew when difficulty arose, they needed God. And so together, they went to God and asked of him a couple of things. They turned to each other and then together they turned to God. And I've seen this play out multiple times. As the director of groups, I help oversee a lot of our groups. I also lead a group myself. And In the last year and a half to two years, I've seen this play out multiple times. We've seen um, emergency surgeries happen. And we've gone, we've gone to the Lord be- on behalf of that. We've had babies, like multiple babies, like a bunch of babies. And you know, when that happens, we all need prayer, right? But we're also able to cook meals and take them and drop them off at at their door and just be a community. We've seen diagnoses. We've had um, diseases and and struggles and job uncertainty. And we, we can, on a weekly basis, we can come together. We can open God's word. We can talk deeper about what it is that he is teaching us and then we can be there for each other. And so I think it's just beautiful to see in Acts how God was using the community of of believers in the early church to build each other up. And I also don't want to wash away the prayer. So look kind of in closing, look at what they said, what they prayed in chapter 4 verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats, the threats of the Pharisees, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness, with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through your name of the Holy Spirit of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So together. They didn't pray that God would remove them from the difficult situation, but instead they prayed for boldness through the difficulty. And while I think there are times when we can pray for healing, where we should pray for healing, where we should pray that God would change our circumstances and and that he would uh, provide for us in a mighty way, and he does do that, I think there are times when we need to pray for each other, that we would encourage each other, that God would give us the courage that we need, the boldness that we need, the peace that we need, that as our circumstances continue, that we would know that he is in control. And then when when they prayed that prayer, it says that they continued to speak with all boldness and the spirit dwelled in the place where they were and the place that they prayed was shaken. Man, I've always wanted to be in a place like that where we could pray for God to provide and he would right then and there give us what we needed. And this is why we do groups at Horizon West Church. Because first, we have a great need, a spiritual awakening that needs to take place. In in our groups, we talk about what that looks like and how we can grow stronger in the word and how we can grow that relationship with Christ. And secondly, because we have a great trouble, life throws everything at us. And seasons can be dark and, and gloomy, seasons can be great. But we need our community to walk through that together. I see What we see in the book of Acts is that their growth happened in community. Their growth happened because a body of people together prayed for boldness and they shared their faith. What I see is that our church, growth happens in community. Growth happens when we on a week in, week out basis, sit around the word, encourage each other, develop friendships, go do fun things, go to top golf, go painting, whatever that looks like. You build friendships, but you go deeper. And so, my hope today is that as you've come this morning to worship the Lord, that you would think about those your life in those three ways. has God meeting your greatest need have you accepted that and if not I I hope you will this morning is there a trouble in your life that you need to take to a friend and are you diving into the community that God has placed you in there's ways that we want you to do that here at Horizon West Church I'm gonna let Shirley share share that with you a little bit more so but let's continue in worshiping let me pray for us God we thank you so much for that great high priest who surrendered his life, his power, his authority and stepped down from the throne to be among his people who he himself made a group of friends, invested in them, poured in them, did life with them and then sent them. Father, I I pray that this church, this place would be a big church filled with small groups of people who love each other, who do life together. So Father, now, spirit move, guide us and direct us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.